This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Student uh, loan debt continues to be a noose around the necks of thousands of college graduates. It's also led to numerous lawsuits by states. These include suits against contractor Fed Loan Servicing, which is alleged having mismanaged a federal debt forgiveness program, and Navient, alleged to have incorrectly processed student loan payments. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos recently lost a suit for delaying implementation of a borrower defense rule. Meanwhile, the top student loan watchdog at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, abruptly resigned recently, saying he felt the Bureau's leadership had turned its back on young people and their financial financial futures. With more on this story, we are joined by Cliff Robb, who's an assistant professor of consumer science and faculty director of consumer finance and financial planning at the University of Wisconsin at Madison. And also joining us, Chris Peterson, who's a law professor at the University of Utah and also financial services director of the Consumer Federation of America. Cliff, Chris, great to have you with us. Thank you both today. Oh, thanks for having us. Hey, Dan, thanks for having us on and covering this topic. Thank you both. So, Cliff, this uh, t- give us a further uh, insight as to exactly what has happened, because, again, this is going back about a decade or so, correct? That's correct. I mean, uh, the recent news that we're kind of focusing in on today presents a little bit of a, you know, there's some good news, bad news aspect to it, right? Because we have, uh, I think, the, the recent judicial decision uh, in favor of the state's a lawsuit against the Department of Education is a is a good news kind of piece for consumers, but I think the frustration experienced by members of the CFPB and the um, resignation uh, recently is is kind of a bad news piece. Uh, but it's definitely something that we've been looking at. The student loan debt has been ramping up yep. in terms of the magnitude over the past decade, and the degree to which. You know, not all debts created equal, and I think that's one of the kind of sticking points to this discussion. How so? Well, the idea that you know, just going to an educational institution and taking credits and then uh, graduating—not all degrees are equal. Not all programs are providing the same thing. Right. Uh, the general argument is that education is a human capital investment, and if you do not get, you know, the human capital output to take to the marketplace. Uh, the debt itself doesn't provide the benefits anticipated. Chris, what's been your reaction to the, this story as it has played itself out? Well, there's a lot happening. Uh, I think overall the general trend, in my view, is is still negative. The, the, there was, a, I think, a, a, an important win on a procedural issue with respect to the Department of Education's efforts to unwind uh, and an Obama administration regulation that was supposed to provide some more protections for student loan borrowers that have taken out loans from for-profit schools that were, you know, lying or cheating to the to the customers. That rule was supposed to make it easier for uh, consumers to have a day in court to try and talk about whether or not they were were treated unfairly, and also to make it uh, a little more easy for them to get their student loans forgiven or waived, and to also try and ensure that the that the for-profit schools that you know may have cheated their students have enough financial resources to make sure that that doesn't you know that the cost of waiving those student loans doesn't fall on the taxpayer. 
Well, the Department of Education was trying to unwind that regulation, uh, repeal it, and delay it. Um, and it turns out that in their haste to do so, they have broken the law in, in, in how they went about trying to undo the regulation. Right. But it doesn't mean for the long term that, that, that the Department of Education won't eventually be successful in this. That, that I think, is still an open question. So, and you mentioned uh, the CFPB and and what its role is in this. Uh, it, it has taken a lot of heat, obviously, under the leadership of Mick Mulvaney. There's been a concern of whether or not the CFPB was going to exist uh, over a period of time. How important is the CFPB to this specific issue of student loan debt? I think it's very important. So the Department of Education, in effect, makes the loans and hires the businesses uh, that are usually, you know, oftentimes for-profit businesses that try to collect the student loans. But the CFPB is the federal financial regulator that tries to apply the law and enforce the law with respect to whether or not those companies are engaging in legal debt collection practices. So the CFPB, for example, has an important lawsuit that's been ongoing against Navient, the largest student loan debt collector in the country, for illegal practices. And it's an open question whether or not you know, the, the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau may potentially start to pull some of its punches in these kind of cases and law enforcement actions. It's a very troubling signal that Seth Frodman, uh, a colleague of mine when I was at the, at the CFPB, when he resigned in protest, that, that was just a chilling development. He, he's been a longtime civil servant and is a real professional, and he walked away from uh, the CFPB saying that, in effect, um, uh, evidence of illegal activity may be being suppressed by right. the leadership of the CFPB, and that they may be slow-walking investigations, law enforcement investigations. These are very serious allegations of potential impropriety in one of the most important financial regulators in the country. Cliff, it obviously comes at a, at a very important time that all of the, these stories are coming out because the issue of student loan debt just continues to be something that is a significant problem for many, many college graduates. And, and from an economic perspective for a second, it just it, it hampers so many people once they graduate school that they have to deal with loans 30, sometimes beyond that, years after they graduate. Yeah, and I think one of the the critical pieces to point out is that um, we do want to distinguish between those that graduate and those that don't graduate, right? Uh, because that's a really big piece of this. So if you look at the default issue, uh, and we've only seen increasing percentages of default from student loan debt over the last few years, uh, a lot of that default um, behavior is occurring among individuals that uh, started. Uh, some college program and didn't necessarily complete it, or went to one of these less than uh, savory uh, education providers that was previously mentioned, uh, these predatory uh, college models where there's re- they're not really getting anything that uh, in terms of marketable skills. Uh, so I think that's a, a critical piece to look at when you're talking about the student loan debt. Chris? I, I agree with all of that. And I guess I would add too that the, just that we're talking about nearly one and a half trillion dollars of of debt out there in the marketplace, trillion, and, and uh, over forty million Americans who have these loans, and and many of the people who have the largest loans and are the most likely to default are also the people who got the worst 
uh, uh, credentials and, and, and you know, the, 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 the poorest quality training it, it, when they graduate or, or perhaps or potentially don't even graduate. Right. And what it's doing is making it that, that this generation of, of students less able to borrow money to buy a home, to save for their retirement, to get together the financial resources that they need to, to take care of children if they're going to raise a family. Uh, and it's changing the culture of America. Uh, and you know, it doesn't have to be this way. A lot of other in, in, in advanced industrialized countries manage to provide education for their citizens without inflicting this long-term debt burden on young people. Yeah. Cliff, the, the state's attorneys general that uh, are obviously bringing uh, some of these suits forth, they, they see like they have to in order to be standing up for some of their constituents, some of the people that live in their states uh, against some of the, the, the things that have been going on with these companies and with the education department in the, in the last few years, correct? Uh, yes, I think that's correct. And I think some of it is stemming from uh, some of the points raised earlier about the essential um, deterioration of the CFPB's power and ability to assist consumers. Right. So while the CFPB has a nice longstanding history uh, since its inception of, of working really hard to help borrowers that are in a really bad position or have been uh, maybe defrauded, uh, because that power has deteriorated, states are now trying to figure out, well, what do we do? And I think that's a really troubling trend for consumers because consumers are in the situation where, you know, who are they supposed to turn to if the, you know, national body that was supposed to be able to assist them is not able to do so? I guess the next question I have is, is Cliff, how long, or I should say, how has this been able to go on for so long? I read one statistic that said some 60,000 complaints since 2012, and, and that may even be a little bit low. Yeah, I, I mean, some of that is probably, uh, there's always the entrenched interest angle. Um, it's hard to know exactly like, I'm not privy to what all the, the nature of all the different complaints. Right. But I think the, the general idea here is that this is, it's a complex process. The student loan process itself is, doesn't help anybody out by, you know, there's, there's not much transparency, I think, on the part of um, when, when somebody's looking to borrow. And so I think that further complicates it so that some lawsuits might be coming in that, you know, it could be that for many of them, uh, and again, I, I don't know percentages, but I would say some of them are very likely there is some fault on the consumer for maybe not having sought certain information. But a lot of them are cases where consumers were not provided with accurate information or not provided with uh, really important, relevant information to make a good decision. Chris, you mentioned uh, Seth Frotman and uh, his role that he had played uh, at the CFPB. And, and again, reiterate how important he was to kind of managing some of the, the issues that were involved for students through the CFPB. Well, the, the original statute that created the CFPB, the Dodd-Frank Act, one of the offices that it created was a, a, a private student lending ombudsman that would also have responsibility for um, gathering complaints and uh, uh, identifying problems, developing, you know, sort of recognizing trends, reporting back to Congress uh, on changes and problems in the student lending industry. And Mr. Frotman, and, and before him, Rohit Chopra, the first uh, person to, to, to take on that office, Mr. Chopra is now a, a commissioner for the Federal Trade Commission. 
they were very effective at um, identifying some of the problems and, and working with the CFPB's enforcement office to bring some very important cases that have returned millions of dollars to consumers for illegal practices in collecting student loan debts. And they, their reports to Congress have also, I think, shined a light on how significant this problem has become and, and even, I think, helped the country start to come to the realization that maybe our student lending system, both respect to how student loans are made and the overall cost of higher education, is broken and is not really functioning in a way that works to the benefit of Americans. So I think it's a very significant development that, that he has resigned in protest. Uh, he, he's a career civil servant that has not been, uh, you know, uh, um, has always worked behind the scenes, behind the spotlight. Before working on this issue, he worked for the uh, Office of Service Member Affairs with uh, uh, Holly Petraeus on protecting military and veterans' rights. Uh, so he's a guy that, that has always just put the, the, the consumer protection issues first. And right. See him walk away from that important post um, in protest is—it's just very troubling. Cliff, your thoughts on, on the CFPB right now, and obviously it is it was mentioned by Chris. It has played an important role uh, since the uh, since the economic problems we had in this country a decade ago, and it does feel like it is at a very tenuous time right now uh, because of some of the the ideas that that people like Mick Mulvaney have at this moment. Yeah, I think it's actually really sad um, from a consumer advocacy standpoint because I think the uh, creation of the CFPB was a major positive step, particularly when you think about uh, consumer financial rights in this country. Uh, we really hadn't seen much change in terms of consumer protection in that area over a very long period of time. And so seeing that step was, I think, a very positive one. But now that it's kind of really having its teeth pulled kind of slowly and just not, you know, seeing it be made less effective uh, day by day is, is troubling. And I think it's really a problem because we have a lot of financial issues still out there. You know, we, we are just not that far away right. uh, from the previous financial crisis that our country faced. You know, 2008 is, is only a decade ago. Um, and, while the markets are doing really well, that's that's not always, you know, a signal of how Americans in general are doing. Now, Chris, take us I inside the the uh, the suit against Betsy DeVos uh, for delaying the implementation of, of the borrower defense rule. Sure. So. I think you have to try and keep in perspective what it is that, uh, to understand what's happening, you have to keep in perspective what the Department of Education is doing. Their job is to adopt regulations in this context that implement the Higher Education Act, but the process through which they go to adopt those type of regulations is it has to comply with the the federal uh, the, the 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 it has to comply with the the laws that Congress has set out for um, going forward through rulemakings, and to try and I mean it's a complicated case, but to try and make it a little bit more simple, essentially what they did was commit some process fouls in, in, in going forward and trying to eliminate the regulation that had been adopted by the Obama administration. So they did it too quickly, and they didn't use the proper procedures to try to make sure that they were dotting their I's and crossing their T's and getting that done. And so for the time being, this borrower defense regulation is going to continue to be, um, you know, the, 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 in effect, the law of the land. 
But that doesn't mean that, you know, a year from now, uh, the, the Department of Education can't go back and try and use the correct procedures to lawfully undo what has already been done. That, I think, is still an open question. Cliff, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with um, what Chris articulated. One thing that I was looking at that I think is related to this and is similar is the the um, pushback, I think, from the Department of Education on states' Bill of Rights, which kind of plays really closely to this, because uh, a couple of states are essentially trying to, I guess, take their own collective action to elect um, ombudsmen that would functionally kind of provide some assistance and oversight for consumers in the case of student loans. Right. Um, so that's an area I think that's really closely related to this, that there'll be similar movement uh, around, especially legally. And that's where, again, our, our yeah, my esteemed colleague here is, is going to be a better guest in that regard, knowing his background as a, as a legal expert. Well, but Chris, you know, it is just a, it's a massive problem that continues to be, as I said at the top, kind of a noose around the necks of, of thousands of college graduates. And it seems like in this instance, uh, you have the government that knows what is going on. You have the state level that knows what's going on. And the students in many cases, or the graduates, I should say, are the ones that are caught in the middle. I think that's right. Uh, and in addition, I think that you know, with respect to this regulation that the Department of Education adopted, one of the key provisions in it was just simply saying this, that if a, a, a for-profit school, one of these schools, a trade school that you know, maybe is using high-pressure sales tactics or misleading representations in their advertising, if they do something that's not true, if they, if they speak in a way or communicate or sell in a way that's against the law, right? In our country, it's illegal to try and lie to young people to get them to take your classes. Right. It's not permissible. Well, if that allegedly happens, that the consumer should have their day in court. They should be able to go before a judge. Uh, and even potentially, if the, if the practices were common to everybody, all of the different students, maybe they all got the same sales pitch, they all got the exact same pamphlets or website representations, that they should be able to proceed in a class action case. That's critical because it's just not realistic for each individual student to hire their own attorney and go through the entire process of conducting an investigation and bringing a lawsuit against a well-represented repeat player for-profit school. Yeah. So this wasn't even resolving some of the biggest issues. It seems like that ought to be not controversial. I think there is a consensus in our society that we shouldn't allow for-profit schools to lie to our young people, to our kids. Uh, and if they do, there should be a day in court where they're held accountable. But that's not the position of the Trump administration and Secretary DeVos. They are bending over backwards, breaking procedural rules to try to make sure that kids who say they were cheated can't have their day in court. Yeah, and it's that's not, what's happening today. And it's not like the, some of these for-profit schools haven't had their, their issues in the past already. This is just kind of uh, heaping more issue on top of the issues we've seen over the last few years to begin with. That's exactly right, Dan. There have been a lot of cases um, uh, some, you know, in, in recent years where giants in the industry have been held liable by federal law enforcement regulators for um, uh, uh, engaging in widespread systematic illegal practices with respect to how it is they get consumers to sign up for their, their, their educational programs. And look, I don't mean to pick on for-profit schools in particular, except that they have many of these programs have long 
outstanding track records of not providing high-quality services to their students. It turns out that many of these for-profit schools, their largest expenditure by far, it's not teaching, it's not having a building, it's not hiring faculty, it's not doing research, it's just doing more advertising. So all these kids are borrowing tens of thousands of dollars, mortgaging their futures, threatening their their ability to retire or buy homes in order to pay for ads on the Internet or the TV or mailers, which is not productive. This is not any way to organize a higher education system in our country. Yeah, and a lot of times when you have a situation like that with another company, that money is an investment in the company and you have a stake in the company. It's not the case here. That's exactly correct. Um, uh, it's, part, it's part of why, historically, very few uh, uh, you know, advanced industrialized countries around the world use for-profit institutions for education. Yeah. It's much more common for governments to provide those services or for nonprofit institutions that focus on education and research to provide those services. But this becomes, Cliff, uh, this this story and, and these issues with some of these companies becomes the latest issue surrounding student loan debt in general. And, and again, I, I, I think we can all agree that, that we are well past the time where this is, this is a topic that needs to be cleared up. It needs to be fixed because of the economic impact on so many students for such a long period of time after they leave school. Yeah, and I think one of the troubling things I saw when kind of digging into this a little bit more was that, you know, the Department of Education's argument is is basically one of an archaic one where they're basically saying, well, we're just going to provide more data to the consumers on the college performance, and then they can pick a college, right? Right. Uh, so the idea is that those for-profits, hey, we'll just provide data about them. But that really doesn't get at the issue of uh, what was raised previously of, fraudulent data being provided, and then the extra step, putting it to the student themselves to prove that they were, um, you know, given fraudulent information. I think that's where it becomes scary to me, is like putting all of the uh, onus on uh, the student or the borrower to kind of prove that this institution made promises that it couldn't keep. Um, Now, again, on the other side, you, you do have to kind of be a little bit wary that, okay, just because somebody did X number of courses and then can't get a job afterwards, that's not always the institution's fault. Um, but I do think there's more, you know, what we've seen historically with the for-profit model and in some of these colleges is a, a more troubling trend that wouldn't just suggest that it's something that is, you know, a student's issue um, in most cases. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. Cliff, Chris, thank you both. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for having us. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.